You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our show today by calling in the spirits. So I call out to our ancestors, I call out to yours and mine, and all of you who will listen to this show at any time in the future. I call out to all of these ancestors all the way back to the first people, and I call out to them acknowledging that we are one family. And I call out to these ancestors and ask them to bring to each one of us all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to bring the legacy of those who have gone before us into our lives, that we might learn from those who have gone before us, that we might build our lives on their wisdom, craft our progress through healing the mistakes, and find an ability to be in good relationship with the past, that we might lay a good stage here for the future. We call out to those ancestors that were dreamers to teach us to dream well. And teach us how to be in this world in a good way, knowing that we are dreaming reality into existence. So I call out to these ancestors to stand around us here today and hold us. Hold us as we reach down into the earth, all the way to the very center of the earth, to ground our energy here in this day, in this conversation, and to give thanks to the earth. Thanks to the earth, the being Thanks to the earth, our home, our planet. Thanks to the earth, the giver of all things that keeps everything here on the face of this planet alive. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we know it to the face of this planet. And let us all give thanks for our lives, for this day, no matter what it holds for you, and for the miracle of life. We do not understand it. We enjoy it. We support it. We do our best to help people to heal, but we don't understand why we do. We don't understand this great mystery, yet each one of us possesses it. And we give thanks to the earth, and we ask the earth to help us to live with this great miracle in a good way today. We give thanks to the earth for belonging, for connection, and for interconnection, and for the constant reminder that we are one in a great web of life, And that all that are part of that web and all things are part of that web. That all that are part of that web are dreaming reality into existence. We are all part of this dream and every part of this dream is being dreamed by us. Let us dream well. And we ask the earth to help us to learn from this ancient, ancient dreamer. This dreamer who dreamt the miracle and the great beauty of life. Life that is sustainable. Life that is inspired. Life that holds great beauty. We ask this teacher to teach each one of us as humans to be good, great, powerful dreamers. And with our feet rooted into the earth, our responsibility as dreamers around us and the ancestors holding us, we reach up through our hearts and minds all the way out through the sky, all the way out into the cosmos to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know this energy, we call it down. Call it down into yourself, into your day, and into our proceedings here to bring in the energy of blessing, the energy of generosity, of inspiration and illumination, the energy of devotion, and the energy of protection. We call in the energies from above and ask them to descend into ourselves and into our circle and to merge with the energy of the earth within us, that we might come into balance here today with these two great Great sources of wisdom, the wisdom of how to be here in form and all the wisdom of the universe coming to us, merging in our own bellies and spreading out through our bodies, reminding us who we are and why we are here. And with this energy within us, let us call out to the energy of the heart, your own heart, to be with you here today, to be strong and to be full, to be clear and to be open. And to receive the energies from below in your body in their fiery, confusing, passionate, stormy ways. And draw this energy up into your heart. 
and draw down the clarity and imagination and innovation and creativity of the mind into the heart where these two energies can dance without destroying each other, that they give birth to a third thing, which is your genius. And may you find in your heart the courage to live that genius in this world. Yes, this is the time you chose to be here. This is a time rich with possibility for you or you would have picked a different time. So we give thanks to the heart for the courage to live the person we have come here to be in this time in whatever way we can understand how to do that. And may these proceedings here today help us each on that path. May we say what needs to be said and may we hear what needs to be heard and may all things proceed in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd also like to give thanks to those listeners who have been willing to donate to the show, to keep the show alive and keep it on the air. It is my goal someday, I thought it would be this year, I was hoping, that this show could become entirely listener-supported. So I want to give thanks to Martine, to Sandra, to Nate, and for all of those people that donate, no matter where you are from, but particularly for those people outside of the U.S. that are listening and donating to the show and helping this sense of a global shamanic family to connect and to learn and to grow together. So I give thanks to all of those listeners who have donated to the show to keep it alive. I give thanks to all of you who share the show with others, all of you who link to the show on your page and to my website on your page so that these things can grow stronger in cyberspace. And I ask all of you to consider if this show moves you in any way, if it moves your heart, if it irritates you, if it inspires you, if it moves you in any way to move shamanically. To allow that movement within you to move you into action and to do something, take some action that gives back to the show. For those of you that want to donate to the show, the easiest way to do that is to go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support section and offer whatever amount you choose. It is all um, goes straight to keeping the show on the air and it's deeply appreciated. If you don't like paying things online, that's perfectly fine. Just email me and I'd be happy to give you the address to send a check here to me in Portland, Oregon. So thank you all, all of you that support the show in whatever ways that you do. And I am greatly appreciated. Um, all, greatly appreciate also the emails that I receive of people telling me um, or asking, "Hey, do a show on this. I have a question about that." And those that say, "Thank you, the show has changed me in this way," or "It inspired me to do this," or "Helped me to find that." Um, this is the exchange. This is the interaction. This is the action of Aini moving through the world and connecting us. Even those of us that may never meet in person can meet energetically in this way. So welcome, everyone, to today's show. Um, Back in May of 2009, um, I did a show on addiction and recovery. And you can find that show in the archives at co-creatornetwork.com. You can find it in the whyshamanismnow.com archives. And you can also find it on iTunes. Um, It was called Shamanism and Recovery from Addiction. And in that show, I ended up discussing addiction quite a bit. It wasn't exactly my intention, but that's how that show unfolded with the help of spirit. And so I discussed addiction energetically and from a Taoistic and a shamanic perspective. And we discussed the dynamics of addiction and recovery from a shamanic perspective, which is a little bit unique. Um, now this week, we're going to continue on boldly from where that show left off. And today we're going to discuss shamanism in the path of someone who is already in recovery. Um, And so before I begin uh, getting into the content, I want to thank all of my clients and students in my practice in the past and present who are in recovery. Um, It is to you who are currently in my practice, who are a weekly inspiration for me, that I would like to dedicate this show. In that earlier show on addiction and recovery, we talked about true impulses versus the false impulses of addiction and why we have them and how you find your way back to your true impulses. And that show gave you an opportunity to look at addiction in a different way, which in and of itself can be helpful um, in recovery. But today, I want to talk about the synergy that we find between shamanism and recovery. Um, So, I want to begin this discussion acknowledging this is a yes and show. This is not meant to be something instead of 
your recovery process, and it's not meant to be an argument against it in any way. That this, um, I want to acknowledge Alcoholics Anonymous and all of the 12-step programs it has inspired, that this is a very powerful practice, and for many people, it is necessary to actually recover yourself from your addiction and continue um, on the path of your life. And so there, I have great value for that work. Um, so what I see in my practice, and what I'm really speaking from today is not a bunch of theory and a bunch of research. It's really just me speaking from working with people in my practice. And what I see is that many people will spend their lives in a dance with recovery sort of small r recovery and their program, their recovery program. Many others will work the steps, find a home in the 12-step programs. And many of those people, you know, will work the steps and um, become a sponsor and support others in working the steps. And for some people, this fills their need. And I want to honor those people and, and applaud the courage it takes for anyone to step out of old habits, whatever they are, old patterns, old addictions, and um, find what it is that they need and commit their life to it. It all takes a quality of discipline and devotion um, to engage with an adult life. And there are many, many shows in the archives about the devotion that it takes to live as a spiritual adult, addict or not. So um, I just want to acknowledge the courage in those people. Every single one of those possibilities is a beautiful option. What I've experienced in my practice is that there are others who will work the steps and recover themselves through that process and then begin to ask other questions. And that's what I mean by this show being yes to recovery and. This is a show for those and people that can't help but ask different questions or um, additional questions questions. And so this show is for those people that naturally following their own healing process ask for something more than they are able to find in a in a 12 step program. And again, what I mean is yes and. And I my experience with most of these people in my practice is they continue in recovery um quite robustly. They just bring other things also into their lives. So for those people shamanism then becomes a really big word. And what I mean by that is that it offers three different entire arenas of exploration for a person who is in recovery. So, I mean, three different aspects. There's, there's, um, you know, it's a bit like the blind men and the elephant, right? Shamanism is the elephant. And we're all groping around trying to figure out what it means. And you can come into shamanism from kind of three different directions and never even run into the other areas hardly. And so that's what I really want to talk about today is really the breadth of what shamanism offers um, for a person in recovery because truthfully, the two systems really synergize each other well. At least that's my experience um, and that of my, my clients and students. So the three areas are there is first and foremost, shamanism offers all of us the ability, the skills to make a reliable working relationship with, with spirit so that we have our own authentic connection to spirit. It is there all the time with us. We don't have to go through someone else to get to it and that it allows us direct revelation. And the importance of that is that means it's allowing us answers that are tailored for us and our question in the moment. And for those of you that have been in recovery, um, question sometimes is a serious crisis. I mean, that's true for anybody, actually. The question can often be a serious crisis. But often in the moment in recovery, we could be having a really, really bad day and really, really need to hear that thing it's going to set us back on the path or keep us on the path or help us in some way. And the beauty, well, the beauty of a sponsor is that person is there to be called. Similarly, the beauty of a helping spirit is that helping spirit is there to be called. The helping spirit is there to support you in any way at any time. The good days, the bad days, 
the dark days, the bright days. And that, um, so the first thing that shamanism offers us is the incredible relief that comes from a relationship with spirit. Um, the other piece that comes to us out of that, that is deeply soul nourishing is the recognition through that relationship that we are not alone. There is not a single human being on this planet who is actually alone. Many of us feel very, very alone, but no one actually is because everyone has spirit help and that spirit help is available. The challenge for many people is learning how to engage in that, with that spirit help in a way that allows that relationship to feel satisfying to them, the human. And that is one of the great gifts in the shamanic skill set is much of the skill set itself is about developing that kind of satisfying relationship with spirit. So the second arena that shamanism offers is another way to heal. That often, once people become sober for a significant period of time and they have worked the steps and moved through um, some of the psychology, the psycho-emotional dynamic and the psycho-spiritual dynamic around their experience, they come to a place with themselves and they're like, well, but why is this still happening and why is that still happening? And what's up with this and why do I still feel that? And those questions are really, really valid questions. And if you've already worked the steps two or three times, you know, it's wise to try something else in addition to your recovery. Because anything, if we sincerely commit ourselves to it two or three times and there, it's not getting at the source of our problem, we all need to try something else. That's not a criticism in any way of the recovery process. It's just recognizing, I mean, this is the piece about being a consumer. We're all supposed to get and maybe if we could all get it, we wouldn't be such a consumer nightmare culture. Get being a good consumer. Are you getting your money's worth? You know, and really, in terms of our healing process, it has a lot to do more with our own blood, sweat, and tears, not necessarily our finances. But the truth is, are you getting back the results from your blood, sweat, and tears that is somehow balanced or commensurate with what you're putting in. And if you're not, it's not that the thing you're doing is bad. It's just you also need to be doing something else in addition to. And shamanism can offer a very direct route to healing that tends to not lead you astray from your recovery, but lead you back into it deeper. And so that's the other thing is some healing processes tend to abscond with people. You get into them and that, and that, that friend is lost to you because they're off in this, this process of healing where they no longer can even talk with other people. And the beauty of shamanic healing is it's going to drive you right back into yourself and right back into your work and right back into your life and right back into your recovery process. Now, the third arena that shamanism offers to us is the one that I think goes least realized by people. And partly that's because finding a truly great shamanic teacher is rare. Finding a really good shamanic healer is not so rare, right? Finding someone that can teach you to journey is not rare at all, right? Finding a good teacher that can teach you to journey these days is pretty easy. That wasn't true 20 years ago. It's true now. Finding competent, solid um, shamanic healers, yeah, that's not that hard to do. Finding a really great shamanic teacher is a bit more challenging, right? And so consequently, not so many people have experienced what that means. But this nonetheless is a really important arena for many people in recovery because often through the process of um, addiction, everything gets destroyed. Our sense of our spiritual life, our sense of our family life, a lot of things really get torn down often. And what true, strong shamanic teachings with a real um, gifted shamanic teacher offer us is a way to rebuild a spiritual life for ourselves that is, once again, um, dependent on our own experience, not on just on faith or belief, but our own experience of our relationship with spirit. And this, this is profoundly, it's not so much, I mean, it is healing, but the point relative to someone in recovery is that 
this kind of shamanic teaching builds a core of strength in our life that moves us away from the patterns that encouraged us to solve our problems through our addiction or endeavor to solve our problems through our addictions. And that it allows us a viable means to solve the challenges of being a contemporary human living in the contemporary world with a structure that allows us to solve those problems in a different way. And that ultimately in the long run of living addiction free is one of the most critical pieces in the long run. And the short run, not such a big deal. Short run recovery is a big deal. Short run relationship with spirits a big deal. Short run, frankly, getting your shit together in a different way is a big deal. But long run, long term, building a true structure in life that is rooted in to the real energies, the real energies that are not apparent to us. That's what's going to support you throughout the great ups and downs that will come with life. It's neat. That's how life is, right? Okay. So those are the three arenas that I want to explore here today. I guess I better get at it. Okay. So now, of course, these three things, these three arenas um, are offered to everyone, not just to people in recovery, but today I'm going to talk about them in that context. So keep in mind, those of you who are listening to the show and going, oh man, bummer, I'm not in recovery, that these things apply to all of us. So don't just tune out because of that. Besides, everybody knows somebody who's an addict and everybody knows somebody who's in recovery and everybody knows somebody who needs this information. So listen for them. And refer them, of course, to the show. So where are we? Okay, so in my experience with people, I find a few things that are important to remember as we talk about this process. In my experience with people, first and foremost, they are messy. People are beautifully, exquisitely, creatively messy. Second, People are exactly the same. And third, people are wonderfully unique. So what do I mean by this? And these are really important things to remember about yourself as a person. So you're messy. Things almost never go as planned. I'm almost never exactly the person I thought I was going to be. Life is messy. If we are actually striving to do something we've never done before, to be someone we haven't been before, to have the courage to be new and to grow, it will be messy. And you need to have a certain tolerance, um, a freedom of from judgment, a willingness to let yourself make a mess. And this is very challenging when we're coming out of addiction because that was a big life-denying mess, right? That's not the kind of mess I'm talking about, but it is an example of how incredibly messy people can get, that we can begin to be so messy in our life, we start destroying not only the problematic stuff, but all the good stuff. So what I'm talking about, as anybody goes forward shamanically, you need to have a tolerance for messiness, That is a life-sustaining messiness. And understand, begin to get a feeling, a discernment for when that mess flips over from the realm of messy growth and creativity into the realm of mess as distraction, mess as a way to run away, and mess as a way to destroy all of the good things in my life. So it's important to understand that distinction, but to realize it's not like I was messy when I was an addict and now everything's going to work perfectly. As even with all the shamanic help in the world, it isn't going to work perfectly. You're a human. So the important thing is to gain a sense of humor about that, a tolerance for a certain amount of life-affirming creative messiness, and um, otherwise get on with it. Okay. So that's messiness. Now, on the other hand, or number two about people, is that people are exactly the same. We all suffer in the same ways. We are not unique in our suffering. And this is, in fact, why the 12-step program works. No one is unique in their addiction and recovery. 
that those internal steps need to be taken. We all suffer the same. That, and, and that is why we can learn from each other's stories. And that is one of the most powerful parts of 12-step program, right? As you learn from each other's stories. This has always been true about humans. It's not only true about the 12-step program. But it is all of those ways in which we are the same that allows us to learn from each other's stories and to be there for each other and to support each other without being, quote-unquote, trained, without being the specialist, but to be there as peers to support each other where we are all the same. We all suffer exactly the same. We all bleed the same color blood. At the same time, humans are powerfully unique. So people are messy, people are exactly the same, and people are profoundly unique. And it is in our soul's purpose that we are absolutely unique. And because of this, I find that what what recovery does for people is it helps people to recover themselves or to recover their life from addiction. And when you can find that, find what's been hidden away uh, in that pain, you know, after, after the addiction is no longer active and you're in recovery, you can begin to find um, that under the addiction was a pain uh, that hid the, and the addiction was hiding the abandonment or the dysfunction of the family. And eventually, You can look at the personal experience of that abandonment, not just the psychological process, but the particular process of your soul's repair. And so we are unique, not only in our soul's purpose, but there comes a point in our healing, not so much the recovery, but in our healing where we absolutely need to know, not just generally speaking that I was abandoned, But how was I abandoned? And what part of myself got abandoned? And how do I get that part of myself back? Whether that is a part that got lost, as in soul loss, or whether it's a part that was so profoundly shoved in the shadow you cannot find it within yourself, or whether it's just a part that's marginalized and you're good at shutting it out. The point is there is an aspect of our story that is unique that at times we need to know to be able to resolve that and go forward. So sometimes just understanding generically about abandonment and working on that psychologically is enough. And sometimes if there's soul loss there, we need to understand it specifically and uniquely. So some aspects of our path towards our destiny, um, generic, in other words, what works therapeutically and in recovery, the generic things that are true for all people. I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I just mean in general, these are true for all people. They don't get the job done. Sometimes uh, you really need to know what is unique about your experience. But with all this said, messy, absolutely the same and absolutely unique, make no mistake, all of this is the path to your destiny. Your addictions, your recoveries, your finding your way out of your suffering as millions of people have done before you, all of these are parts of your path. And they are just as much a part of the path to your destiny as are those steps you take with clarity, with power, and with confidence towards your destiny. These aren't to be thrown away. It's still your life. And it still is leading you towards your destiny as long as you can move it into a life-affirming process. So my point is that for some people, they need to know the unique bits along the way. They may need to know why they self-medicated with alcohol or sex concurrent with working the program in which the addiction is simply a disease. So some people need to know this uniqueness. Like I said, people are messy. Things are rarely what we expect. And getting hung up on not doing it right when you are actually doing it is a really big human problem in healing and recovery. I cannot tell you how many people are doing what they need to be doing. It's just not happening the way they expect or how they got told they were supposed to do it. But they are doing it. And yet they dismiss the whole thing because they're not, quote unquote, doing it right. So, like I said, people are messy. It's not going to happen exactly the way that you expect it to happen, but you need 
to get a sense of when you're actually doing it and keep going. So I just do it is such a profound spiritual principle. And if you just remember, just do it, and sometimes it will be messy, you'll be fine. The issue is, did you feel the energy? Did you track the energy? And were you able to transform it as your destiny requires that you transform it? If you did all that, it doesn't matter if it looked right. If you got the job done, the job is done. And it's time to celebrate and congratulate yourself. So today, I'm speaking from about two decades of experience working with people. Lots and lots of different kinds of people. And so I'm speaking from, for example, my experience with heroin addicts who can tell me very specifically about their soul loss. Because without knowing anything about soul loss and shamanism, they describe the hole inside of themselves. They are trying to fill with heroin. Heroin addicts in particular are very clear about this. I'm also speaking from the alcoholic 12 years sober who worked the program three times and still find that they're afraid of themselves, afraid to go forward, afraid to feel their passion, afraid that they will falter again after years of sobriety, enormous amounts of personal clarity, they're still afraid. And I'm speaking from my experience with other healers who come to me, who are, whose path to becoming a healer was part of their recovery. And that very action of healing others now hides a deep fear-based need to control everything because they remain afraid of themselves, afraid of their true passions, afraid of feeling out of control. Afraid of feeling the very feelings we must feel if we are going to live our life and pursue our soul's purpose and pursue our passions. So we are human. We are messy. We are all the same. And we are unique. The world needs our gifts. All of our gifts. This show is dedicated to those people working the steps and feeling the pull of their gifts, the gifts that want to manifest in the world. The descendants are calling us, and they are calling for those gifts. So my prayer is that this show helps us all to respond to that calling, the calling for our gifts from our descendants. So back to these three areas of shamanism. And how shamanism and recovery can synergize each other. So the first area, once again, was uh, learning to journey. And in learning to journey, you are able then to forge a personal relationship with your own helping spirits. And to um, be able to have a conversation. To ask questions, to get answers, to apply those answers in your life, to see how it changes your life. And to ultimately rebuild very important um, essence energies in your life like trust because to really work with your helping spirits you have to trust them first you have to trust their message well first you have to trust that you're having an experience then once you trust that you need to trust the messages you get from that experience and finally you need to trust them enough to act on them in your life and then you need to trust your experience that your experience is the validation that you need in that sense So, many qualities, fundamental qualities to living well, like trust, can be reestablished through your relationship with your helping spirits. And this is somewhat easier than trying to establish these things through your relationships with people because, of course, people are messy. (laughs) People have issues. People have their own agendas. Helping spirits don't. I mean, they do have an agenda, and that is you making your way however you choose using your free will to your destiny. They do have that agenda, but that's not such a bad thing. That's really not so much someone having an agenda as it is you having an ally. And that is another beautiful thing about having a relationship with spirit is that you have an ally on your side. So in the literature, one of the things this has been called is an alternative source of transcendence. And for many people, 
as they deeply explore their relationship with their sort of drug of choice or state-altering experience of choice, that the point is they're just trying to get into an altered state of consciousness. And, you know, an aspect of our drama with addiction is that we live in a culture that does not culturally sanction altered states. So it doesn't give us um, guidance and disciplines in entering an altered state of consciousness in a good way. And so we all go figure it out for ourselves. And sometimes that's, once again, really, really messy. Um, But what shamanism in this sense of your personal working relationship with spirit, what it does is it offers you an alternative state of transcendence that is not toxic to your body, that is not, generally speaking, toxic to your life, um, and that allows you then to expand from there in into greater and greater circles of um, relationship with people and potentially then with shamans and shamanic teachers that will continue to strengthen your life. Now, one thing um, a student of mine in recovery said, and she did give me permission to share this, she says, for her, what this relationship with spirit did is it offered an alternative way of using a higher power that may be less offensive than the God thing. And I think what she means by the God thing is not that God's bad, but that the whole issue around our um, struggle with religion and God and how do we connect with spirit in a way that works for us. So anyway, so she says, um, it offers an alternative way of using a higher power that may be less offensive than the God thing. She says, I have an interesting perspective being that I once believed that Jesus was the way. And I had such tremendous struggles in my life with my sexuality, etc., because of the God, the man-made God, the Bible-thumping God. And that's not what I call God today. And that was a true paradigm shift and a difficult path to take. And she says, for example, the very act of going to a shamanic ritual in the past would have had people praying over her, anointing her with oils, and praying for her eternal soul to not be damned. And so she's just speaking to the tremendous pressure of coming out of this cultural dynamic with the God thing, as she says. And one of the really great joys in a shamanic relationship with spirit is forging your own authentic relationship with your sense of God, whatever that is, and having a direct line and not needing to go through others, have others mediate that relationship, and more importantly, have others judge your relationship with your God. So the other thing that this dynamic of shamanism offers, just this um, initial making a relationship with spirit, is a lot of people journey together. And so this creates a kind of social shamanism, not as in so, not capital S social, but social shamanism and um, a kind of fellowship around these activities that go with journeying. Because, you know what, it's pretty cool to journey for another person, especially when they're really stuck because you usually get an answer that's really helpful for them. And it feels good to help people. And it feels good to help people in this way that's being mediated and sanctioned by spirit. And so in doing this, um, a person in recovery can create a new community that is aligned with this um, self-expansion, self-exploration, this this um, coming to see ourselves as reflected back to us through this relationship with spirit. And that is a great new community to create because part of the problem with being in recovery is you lose your friends. And that's kind of a drag. But if you try not to drink, you can't go out with your friends very much who are drinking all the time. And so this gives you an opportunity to create a new community and to be in communion with people who are de- also developing these skills of connecting with spirit. And the other thing is... Let's face it, some groups around recovery get really bitchy. I'm not saying this about recovery itself, but these other groups, I cannot believe the things that come out of the mouths of people that are like the wives that are getting divorced because they were alcoholics, the bitchy things that come out about their husbands, which may or may not be true, but these gross categorizing statements about these men that are wanting to divorce them, you know, how dare they, when this, you know, woman's drinking problem has destroyed the family. 
well, so there's these bitchy little subsets that can come out of this process that are not helping anyone because they are encouraging us to be small. They are encouraging us to blame others. And when we blame others, our destiny turns away from us. Your addiction and your recovery are huge dynamics on the path towards your destiny. So to eddy out in these little bitchy groups that encourage everyone to be, blame others, to be small, to be nasty, and to get your yayas off by being cruel to other people is not helpful and is reflecting back to you the fact that inside you feel that way about yourself. And that is the path of healing that needs to be walked and can be walked through the 12-step program. But that little bitchy little side groups are not helping. And so the beauty of shamanic groups is it gives you an activity to connect with people, to commune with people, to create fellowship with people that hopefully, at least in most of the shamanic groups I've been part of, moves us into a larger sense of ourself, not a smaller sense of ourself, and moves us towards understanding who we are in relationship to our destiny instead of bitching and complaining and blaming others for what's wrong in our life. Now, to get off my little uh, bitchy box there, I also want to draw your attention to Michael Winkleman. Yes, that is truly his name, Michael, W-I-N-K-L-E-M-A-N, Winkleman. Now, just go Google him. He's written various things on shamanism and recovery. And I want to quote him because he, he sums it up in a nice nutshell, basically, that these altered states of consciousness, those entered through these shamanic skills, can provide an alternative source of transcendence to the drugs of addiction, facilitating a smoother transition to the path of recovery. Many of the forms of the altered states of consciousness, like drumming groups, shamanic circles, so in there somewhere would be journeying groups, and um, meditation groups, and others, also provide a social support group and a set of activities to occupy the addict and their time and energies. All of these aspects can facilitate recovery, easing the physical longing and the mental anguish of abstinence, providing productive and supportive activities to occupy the addict's time, and creating a social reference group to change effect and sense and the sense of self central oh, sorry and creating a social reference group to change effect and sense of self central to the self transformations underlying recovery now with that said i agree with all of that and this leads us to 3 and i don't want to quite go to 3 yet but this is what he's uh, winkelman is saying about recovery these things do aid recovery and to solidify that recovery and these things as the core or the structure of a life, there comes a point where we need to go from these sort of social shamanism, which is not a bad thing, but this is what, it, you know, this area I've been talking about into actually some shamanic teachings, some deeper shamanic study with some true shamanic teachers to solidify those experiences in the short term in recovery into a long-term sustaining way of life. And that's the place where I see the um, relapse. Because I have seen people um, involved in really robust shamanic communities relapse uh, and crash heavily back into addiction. And the piece that I see missing is that transition into the teachings, into the rigor and the discipline and the devotion to the teachings, and, and that continuing to reshape life um, into one that supports this ongoing working relationship with spirit. Now, the parallel to this would be um, in my, my teacher's story of, you know, recovering from his chronic illness through Qigong and the um, master in China saying, well, this is great. You're healthy again. You've recovered. Uh, but if you want to maintain this as a way of life, you now need to enter the monastery and come to understand the whole set of teachings that these practices you've learned come out of. And I'm saying exactly the same thing, that there comes a point where, where we've, we've embodied this whole set of teachings and it's supported us in recovery. But if we, if we want that to 
establish and root as a new way of life, then we need to move into and learn the very teachings, the whole larger cosmology that those skills we've been learning come out of. And I don't think that's so hard to understand. So one thing we need to not overlook or just sort of sidestep here is um, the second section here, which is um, the shaman as the healer. And I've done a lot of shows on shamanism and healing and what um, shamans have to offer as healers, yet somehow this still seems elusive to people. So I probably should even remind you that many forms of shamanic healing can be done long distance. I am happy to work with you long distance. And many of these things I'm about to talk about can be done long distance. Okay. So to make that happen, you would email assistance at lastmaskcenter.org or go to your local reputable shaman. Okay. I certainly can't do everybody, Um, but I would be happy uh, to help you. If this resonates with you. All right. So the shaman as healer. Um, It is important to understand that there is a distinction in terms of the function of energy, the function of a process between recovery and healing. And it's kind of like the difference between triage, um, you know, stopping the bleeding, stopping the hemorrhaging, getting someone stabilized and then the healing process that needs to happen after that. And it's important to recognize that um, as you shift your awareness of your own process of recovery, that things you may have needed to do three years ago may not be as important as other new things you need to do to be uh, respectful to the process that you're in and that it is in process as it, and it is unfolding. Because if that's not the case, then you're cycling around in circles and nobody wants that. Okay. So, shamanic healing. Energy in, energy out. All right. So, the energy in piece that the the shaman as healer can bring to you, the main focus would be on soul loss that can occur through the various levels of trauma that happened either prior to becoming an addict or um, during being an addict. Um, And both of these things are important. So... An example would be I worked with a client who had an experience um, in a phase of heavy drinking and drugging of being a white supremacist. And that didn't really suit his actual belief system. And so the actions that he took as a white supremacist harming other people were deeply damaging to his soul, aspects of his soul, because it didn't suit his true nature. And so it wasn't so much the drinking and the drugging that caused the soul loss as it was the the actions that he took while he was high in a sense. So another aspect of um, trauma that can happen with people using substances is passing out, blacking out um, aspects of their life where they really abandon themselves. And so this is other moments of soul loss that can come um, sort of uniquely from addictive life, life and addiction. Now, of course, there are the basic forms of soul loss that need soul retrieval that anybody experiences, and that would be traumas and things that occur in our childhood that um, may be things that are underneath the, you know, it's the things that, that are part of the dysfunction of the family that may very well be related to your choice um, of addiction in life. You're moving towards addiction in life. And so all of these are aspects of um, how soul loss can potentially be helpful for people in addiction, um, in recovery after the addiction. Because the other thing about bringing soul parts back, while people actively involved in addiction certainly need them back, the problem is they can't take care of them usually. And will end up often re-traumatizing themselves. And so the important thing about recovery is it is a time to recover yourself. It's a time to have these parts brought back so that you can bring your whole self through the recovery process. 
So another aspect of shaman as healer in this um, conversation about shamanism is the energies out piece. One of the problems with a lot of addictive processes is they are enormously toxic, whether we're talking about chemicals and the toxicity in the body or, for example, sex and the energetic toxicity of having constant random sex partners where it's just it's just too much energetic merging and demerging and confusion in the in the energy body um along with this though also comes issues of extraction and depossession primarily because when we are high we are not paying attention to ourselves and our body and other energies do glom on to people when they are in altered states um, of this kind, self-damaging um, altered states. And energies also tend to glom on to people in the, the down states that we get into as a part of the cycling of our addiction. So when we are um, hungover in the morning, when we are um, freaking out trying to find the next fix, when we're in, in any of these down states of the addictive cycle – we're really attractive to energies that prey on people that aren't taking care of themselves. And so these are energies that may need to be released in some way. Um, and the shaman as a healer can help you to do that. And they can be very real. Now, it's not an excuse for why you're doing what you're doing, but it can be a very real feeling as you sober up and as you move into recovery. You're thinking, okay, I'm doing my steps here. Why am I still feeling attacked? Why am I feeling, you know, these, these energies are, can, can potentially be real. And you want to go to a shamanic healer for that. And my God, I'm running out of time. So anyway, as a shamanic healer, there are all, also issues of power retrieval and energy, energy retrieval and energy retraining that the shaman can offer. One of the most interesting reasons that I saw working shamanically for a person's um, addiction was that their, their, Energy, their everyday, how I approach the world in my body energy was so confused from what they've been taught by their family and their culture and their religion that it was just profoundly uncomfortable to be in their body in life. No, and it's like there's nothing this person could do but try to escape. And all it was was not understanding basics like grounding, boundaries, chakras, managing your own energy and running your own energy every day. That was the root source of her whole addictive process was it was just profoundly uncomfortable to be in life because the information she had been given that directed how she ran her energy was in and of itself uncomfortable. So anyway, my point is do not forget in your bringing shamanism into your recovery, the shaman as a healer is another aspect of shamanism. And the third and the most important and the one, unfortunately, I'm running out of time to tell you about is a shaman as a teacher. And this is a place of richness about what shamanism can bring that is often left out of our understanding when we start looking at shamanism and recovery. And again, I think that's partly because shamanic, really good shamanic teachers are uh, rare. Um, But I call this part of shamanism in recovery the repair of your spiritual life on your own terms. And this is critically important. Everyone, recovery or not, everyone needs to shape their spiritual life on their own terms. But often an aspect of recovery is the repair of a spiritual life. And it's important if you're going to do the work to rebuild it, to rebuild it on your own terms. And what I mean by this is that shamanism can give you a new cosmology that you can engage with on your own terms, without judgment, without being told how to do it, but by engaging with that learning experientially. Shamanism is a, is a profoundly experiential spiritual practice. And so as you engage with the new cosmology, you will be doing it through your own experience. And so that's what I mean by building this new understanding on your own terms, not just based on beliefs that other people are telling you are real, that you have no experience of, and you're told just to have faith in. That's really problematic when you have lost faith in your ability to discern and make judgments, which is often part of the result of addiction. So, shamanism gives you a path to engage with a new cosmology, 
Now, what I don't mean by this is that you get to do whatever you want whenever you want to. That's what gets us into trouble in the first place. What I do mean is that it offers you a path to engage in a way of understanding how life works that our spiritual and um, a way of understanding how life works and our spiritual and physical existence in that life. It, it gives us a way to understand the dynamics of that. What is actually going on when I have a bad day? What is actually going on when I have a good day? What actions could I take to have more good days and less bad days? What actions can I take on the bad days to try to flip them into good days? What actions can I take on the good days to give from that place of abundance? These are all important questions to be able to ask if we're wanting to live in a good way in the world. And so what I mean by the repair of your spiritual life on your own terms is that you get to engage in a way of understanding how life works and your spiritual and physical existence in it. And in this way, the real energies get exposed to us. And um, these are the energies that are normally hidden and can't be seen. But by engaging in these shamanic teachings, we can see the real energies just enough to really get that there is a big picture going on here. That uh, we are not in charge. We are only in charge of ourselves, And that we are not in control of that bigger picture. Thank goodness. And at best, we are in control of our fears and reactions and in control or discerning our ability to stay in reality. And so shamanic teachings can offer you a way to engage in the real energies. And as I've been talking here today, I keep seeing, um, back when I lived in New York, I lived in an area that actually was frankly landfill. And they were putting in this high-rise new fancy hotel and they had to drive these, the pylons down in to find stone, which was deep through the landfill and frankly under the water. And the driving of those pilings in to hit bedrock, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we can do when we engage in these teachings is we can drive our pilings down to the real energies to hit bedrock and then build the structure on our life on something that is real even though it's hidden and we can't see it. And so shamanic teachings can offer us a way to engage like this with the real energies. These could be medicine wheel teachings. They can be the teachings here at Last Mass Center. Um, Any set of teachings that engage us with a full cosmology that help us to understand how the world is working, how we as the humans are engaging with the real energies, how the real energies are engaging with us, how we interact with nature and nature with us, how we interact as this place between the ancestors and the descendants, how we work with our helping spirits, how all of these things allow us to be part of this great web of life. That is really more than enough to pay attention to and can keep anyone in recovery engaged in the process of living. But we need the teachings, again, to help us to take the skills that supported us in recovery and turn them into a new way of living that is grounded in the real energies, the true bedrock of life here, and allows us then to flourish, to find our passions, to live from that place that's going to require we get a little bit out of control and to go beyond these places we've grown afraid of in ourselves, to know ourselves fully, to know our place in that greater world, and to live it with others from a place of trust and love and forgiveness, and maybe even embracing those dark days that were truly the gift that got us to this way of living fully and truly in the world. So this is the gift that shamanism offers all of us. And today I'm speaking and honoring particularly those people who have the courage to be in recovery. So thank you all for listening here today. I haven't exactly decided what the topic of the show is next week. Nonetheless, I thank you for listening. I thank the ancestors for gathering round. I thank the earth below and the sky above and the heart energy that unites us all. 
Know that you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on whyshamanismnow.com. You could find my teachings and classes at lastmaskcenter.org. And you can always connect with me by emailing me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs> 